Thank you so much for tuning in to Harvest Church Sunday Morning Podcast. We're so blessed that you're taking time out of your day to listen to God's Word. And now, today's message with Pastor Ryan. This morning, I am sharing on the fact that your gratitude determines your altitude. Your gratitude determines your altitude in life. Uh, Tammy only stole half of my message this morning. (laughs) That was good. It was good. I love when we're in sync together. So, um, yes. So, one thing, according to one source, being grateful in and of itself is extremely good for your health. Uh, There's been numerous studies, and and, um, I'll share one at the end here. But here's, here's the different types of improvements you can see. You can see improved mental health. When you take time to be grateful, uh, it reduces stress uh, by focusing on the positive aspects of life. It's actually been shown to enhance emotional well-being. Family, if we could do one thing to enhance emotional well-being and it cost us nothing, and it took us just a little bit every day to thank God or develop an attitude of gratitude, my goodness, it is well, well worth it. It can actually decrease the symptoms of depression. Uh, It leads to better physical health, a stronger immune system, improved sleep. They say that expressing gratitude before you go to bed at night will help you to actually sleep better. So again, that's huge. Enhanced relationships. Gratitude fosters positive interactions and can improve relationships with friends, family, and colleagues. Who do you like to be around more? Someone down in the mouth (laughs) or someone who's grateful and generally happy in life? Gratitude really makes a difference. Uh, It gives you increased empathy and compassion. Being thankful can actually make you more sensitive to the needs of others because if you're content within yourself, guess what? You have the energy to look at how other people are maybe struggling. So you have increased empathy and compassion. Increased resilience, it helps you with coping with life. You get a perspective shift. It allows for a broader perspective. All right, I'm going to work through the rest of these faster. Greater job satisfaction, positive impact on mental states, promotion of generosity, mindfulness, and present moment awareness. I need to work on that often. Long-term happiness, cardiovascular benefits. In summary, there was a doctor whose last name I can't even try to pronounce at Duke University Medical Center, summarized it this way. She said, if thankfulness were a drug... It would be the world's best-selling product with a health maintenance indication for every major organ system. That is from Duke University Medical Center. That's amazing. And of course, science always confirms what the Bible teaches us in the first place, right? So Psalm 92.1 says, It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name almost high. You know, it's good for us. And God is worthy of our praise. So our gratitude definitely does determine our altitude. If you want to raise the bar in your life, if you want to move on from being stuck, maybe it can be as simple as addressing the issue of gratitude in your life. And so I want to encourage all of us as we consider this today. Spiritually, we know that gratitude has huge effects. In Psalm 100, it says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. 
Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. I love when we come together as a family and we worship God and we lift up his name. You know, there is power in speaking out and declaring the words of God that we read on the screen in the morning. Right? There's power in that. I want to encourage you, don't be a silent third-party witness. Like, hmm, I'm going to sit back and judge all these other people singing. But I don't think I will sing. Come on, what's up with that? Sing along with. We're proclaiming the goodness of God. Verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. You know, there's really an element of humility in those verses, isn't it? The Lord is God. We are His. We are the sheep of His pasture. So verse 4, We enter His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. How do we get in through the gate into the Lord's presence? How do we enter his courts? We do it with thanksgiving. We'll get there, but maybe you've been in a dark time in your life and you found that the way out was to enter into God's presence by worshiping him, by giving him praise, by being thankful to him. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues for all generations. My gosh, it's so exciting to me to see uh, more and more young people developing and encountering a true relationship with Jesus for themselves. Why? Because his faithfulness endures through all generations. As As parents, we tend to worry. We see all the darkness in the world. But you know what? His faithfulness endures through all generations. That means the next generation is going to experience the faithfulness of God, just like we've experienced the faithfulness of God. Right? Things, circumstances might look different, but God is no different. Can I hear an amen? As one person put it, gratitude is the door to God's presence. Gratitude and thanksgiving is the door to God's presence. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Tammy stole my verse in Colossians 3, which says, no, good job, Tammy. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace, and be thankful. I like the rest of it too. It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. You know, this really reminds me of a worship service right here. Those verses really talk about what we do. We come together, we worship the Lord, we speak his truth, we share his word, we encourage each other, and we do it all in thankfulness. Let me tell you, the Sunday morning service is important. Why? Because it is the weekly reset Right? We can have it daily, we can have, but you know what? Together as his people, it's a weekly reset to say, God, you are God. You are on the throne of my life. If it weren't for you, I wouldn't be here. But because of you, I am here, and I will rejoice in you, and I will be grateful to you for all that you've done in my life. In Luke seven thirty-seven, Jesus was eating a meal that had been made for him by one of the Pharisees, who prided themselves as having it all together, right? In verse 37, it says, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life 
learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, not an inexpensive item. As she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one, I suppose the one, who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet. It was customary to wash feet of guests or at least provide for it. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Could it also be said... Those whose sins have been forgiven little, love little. Could it also be said that those whose sins have been forgiven little have little gratitude? Or conversely, could it be said, those who know how big of a debt God has saved them from and forgiven them from show a great deal of gratitude? This woman was extremely grateful for Jesus and who he was and what he had done for her. One of the reasons that I think we get low on our gratitude meter, you know, if all these things, again, have such health benefits and we're even called as the people of God to worship and be thankful, why does our gratitude meter get low? Well, first, we forget all that God has saved us from. Either we don't realize it or we forget it. And we, we, we just think, wow, you know, somehow this salvation thing you know, I've just been walking in it for so long. And, and, you know, sometimes we have it so good, we don't realize how good we have it. Can I hear an amen? This is what Paul says about what we bring to the table in our relationship with God in Ephesians 2, verse 1. He says, as for you, you were dead. You could put the period there. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the devil, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. He goes on, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith 
This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Family, if it wasn't for the grace and mercy of God in Jesus Christ, we would still be lost in our sins, cut off from the family of God, and wrath would be our ultimate destiny. It's true. But as it stands, if you have given your life to Jesus, if you have put your faith in him alone, family, you have been purchased, you have been redeemed by God himself, you've been washed, purified, set free, and given hope for this life and the next. God has chosen to forget your sins and remove them as far as the east is from the west, and in its place he has given you the very righteousness of Jesus Christ himself. Your name and your destiny are written in heaven. Family, if that's not good news, if that's not something to be grateful about, come on, let's just go home, right? (laughs) We have an amazing destiny in God. It's because of Christ. And so we can always look and say, Lord, it is your amazing grace that I'm here today. And we can raise our level of gratitude because our gratitude does determine our altitude. Consider the prophet Jonah, whom God had sent to speak to the people of Nineveh. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to proclaim repentance for them so they can turn from their evil and come to me. And Jonah was a reluctant prophet. He's like, uh, no, I don't like those people. I think I'm going to take a ship and go the exact opposite direction. (laughs) I mean, like, you know, I have kids. In times they've been disobedient, but Jonah, man, he's just blatant. I'm getting on a boat and going the exact opposite way you told me to go, God. And as a result, this storm comes up upon the sea and they're about to go down. Everything's being capsized. The captain says, cry out to your gods. Maybe one of them will hear us. And Jonah, he's sleeping. He comes up to the top and he's like, hold up. I know why this is happening. It's me. I have decided to run from the God who made the heaven and earth. I'm going the opposite way and their eyes get big. Like, well, what do we do about it? He's like, you better throw me overboard. They're like, throw you overboard? No, that's not, we're not going to do that to you. They struggle and they struggle. They throw cargo. They do what they can to save him. Eventually they're like, there's no hope for this. Jonah, see you later. (laughs) So they throw him overboard as he requested. He sinks to the bottom of the depths. And God provides a giant fish to swallow Jonah. And we get to hear what Jonah prays, because it's written in scripture for us. But first up, how many of you have caught a fish? How many of you have cleaned a fish? How many of you would be like to be inside of that? And Jonah writes in verse 7, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. It says, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. (laughs) I love how the Bible doesn't hold back. It's just how it was. You know what? In the middle of Jonah's depths, in the middle of his darkness, he remembered the Lord. And, and literally, 
His gratitude determined his altitude. As he was spit out and God rescued him. So sometimes we can lose gratitude because we forget everything God's already done in our lives. All of the good things he's already performed, all of the miracles he's done for us. I bet each of us can think of a time when you survived through something where you, you know you shouldn't be here on earth anymore. And who, what can you attribute that to other than God's grace for your life? And you're still here. And so every day we wake up and we can breathe the air around us. We can be grateful. Amen? In addition, he's forgiven us of all of our sin and made us new. Reason number two, we struggle with gratitude. We feel like God has let us down. We feel like God has let us down. Max Lucado in his book, God Never Gives Up on You, which is a great book, by the way. He shares an all too real story. He says, God had not done his part. It boiled down to that. He had not kept his end of the deal, and I was upset. I'd done what I'd said I'd do, but God, heaven couldn't make the same claim. And it was time for reckoning. The hour had arrived for me to air my complaint, and I did exactly that. On a cold December night in 1985, I drove to the vast West Texas prairie and parked my father's Chevrolet sedan next to a pump jack. I did not live in Texas, however. My father had made a career in the oil fields. He writes, he and Brazil were the subjects of my agreement with God. I would go to Brazil, Brazil, excuse me, and in turn, God would heal my father. Simple as that. Dad was diagnosed, he writes, with ALS in 1982. And he said, my wife and I were planning to move to Rio in 1983 for mission work. Upon his diagnosis, we offered to abandon our plans and stay close to dad. But he would hear none of it. In a letter that I treasure, Max treasures, he told us, I have no fear of death or eternity. Just go and please God. What a, what a cool thing for a dad to play. Just go. He writes, before we went, God and I reached an understanding. We would forego precious days with dad and in exchange, God would do what the doctors can't do. They would heal my father. He would heal my father. The result would be a marquee testimony. God heals father of sacrificial missionary. Dad would enjoy restored health. The church would enjoy an amazing story about God's faithfulness for decades to come. What a win-win for the kingdom. There was just one problem, he writes. Dad's condition did not improve, it worsened. We were called back to Texas on an emergency leave. We rushed back to the hospital to find him intubated and weak. He says, I spent the day in the ICU waiting room, churning on the inside. That night, he went to that oil field, stomped back and forth on the flat, graveled ground, and filed his grievances to God. Did I not go to Brazil? Silence. Did I not relocate my family for you? Silence. Did I not do what I said I would do? Silence. Then why won't you heal my father? Silence. He said, God did not speak. He said, and I knew why. The arrangement, he writes, was a figment of my imagination. It bore only one signature. 
He said, and it revealed a misunderstanding I had about God. He said, the problem isn't that we've, he said, he said, the problem is that we've made our theology a transactional theology. If you heal my father, I'll move to Rio. Haven't we all done this at some point with the Lord? God, if you do this, I'll do this. If you help me with this interview, I'll be kind to my spouse. If you get me out of prison, I'll be a preacher. You hear that often enough. If you do this, God, I'll do that. But he says, really, on what basis can we negotiate with God? He talks about a time when he built an ant farm and he carved out the plexiglass. It was like one of those inch-wide farms and you could see everything the ants are doing. He said at one point he stopped and an ant started talking to him. And the ant said, tell you what, this is a decent place you've made us, but if you build me an aquarium, I'll give you this piece of dirt. Now, of course, Max Licato didn't hear an ant talking to him. But you know what? Our general transactional things with God probably sound the same way. What is it that God, that what, what could we, the creation of God, actually give God that he doesn't already have and in plenty? And yet, we make these deals with God in our mind. And the problem with having a transactional faith is this, disillusionment. In Psalms it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Sometimes we place our hopes in ideas that, that we have made, but that God himself never really signed on to. Now, do I believe our God is a healing God? 1,000%. Do I believe that he has only good in store for us? 1,000%. Do I believe that it often works on our timeline? About 10%. Right? And so... Max concludes this. He says, How many people have missed out on a vibrant, life-giving relationship with our great Father because their view of Him is small and their view of themselves is inflated? What if instead of trying to be transactional with God, we just said, God, you are bigger, you are greater, you are wiser. Speak to my heart. Lord, No matter what the outcome, my relationship with you is what's going to get me through. Lord, we believe for healing. pray for healing. But God, if you don't heal, my heart's yours. Amen? Bless you. If you'd like to connect with Harvest Church in a deeper way, you can go to www.harvestcrazy.org. Or you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Harvest If you'd like to support the ministry, you can give at harvestfrazy.org forward slash giving. God bless you. Thank you once again for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.